Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Visit audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. <laughs> Welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, it's Michael Hing and Matt Stewart. Hello. Hello, Dave. Hey, Dave. Hey, Hing. How's it going? Hey, Matt. Um, I recently did an episode of your other podcast, um, Do Go On, and Matt, you didn't turn up to that. Uh, but now I'm here with Dave and Matt and there's no Jess Perkins. And I'm slowly going to do all of your podcasts without one of you and work out what the perfect, <laughs> who the perfect one of you to replace me, uh, sorry, for me to replace would be. So right. just know you're both um, being assessed by me today. <laughs> Actually, no, sorry. Just know that Jess Perkins is being assessed today <laughs> yeah. in her absence. Well, yeah, it's a, it'd almost be a compliment though, wouldn't it? It'd be whoever you want to replace as the person you fit, the, you sort of line up best with yeah or it's or it's potentially just like they're the dead weight and i, I feel like i could most easily slot, yes. slot in who hing sees as the weakest link yeah that he could take I'm, down um, i could save you some time if you want Hing. <laughs> i'm something of a hyena and think of yourselves as a uh, pack of uh, gazelle and one of you is limping uh, <laughs> i think i've been limping my whole life <laughs> You're definitely the run of the litter, Dave. Don't, don't make me run. <laughs> Please. Yeah, I'm the run of the litter. I'm the run in most litters, let's be honest. But, uh, but you know, also, as runs do, they start a book book podcast. So great to have you. <laughs> yeah, the clue is in uh, being invited on Dave's book podcast. Yeah, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. It is a, a book podcast. I usually ask before we get into the book that I've been reading if you guys have been reading or Matt in your instance I know you love to listen to audiobooks if you've yes. been reading or listening I'm a, to anything I'm as a modern man I I uh, read with my ears beautiful and I mm. do it with my eyes closed <laughs> and uh yeah I've been uh listening slash reading I Partridge over the last couple of weeks the, what's that uh, it's an Alan Partridge <laughs> autobiography in character oh read that, by that sounds awesome Coogan in character it's so good I've been yeah listening to it as I go to bed about an hour a night loving it it's real good. Mm. Do you does it uh, does the laughs wake you up like you you know if something's really funny you're like trying to drift off and then you're like don't laugh don't laugh here it comes yeah sometimes early on it does get a bit like that but you know it's like because it I think it's a lot easier I used to listen to podcasts going to sleep but too many voices there's too much energy one person doing a, a monologue is a lot 
easier to drift off to, even when it is pretty amusing stuff. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm fascinated by uh, people who listen to things as they go to sleep. Um, what is your setup? My uh, my setup is I've got this. Um, it's like a, a sleep headband with inbuilt uh, headphones. So damn, I've seen those advertised to me, and I've always thought that's going to kill me. But uh, it seems to be working for Matt Stewart. <laughs> yeah, well, at first I I had one that was Bluetooth, and it was. Um, I started feeling a bit paranoid about having a Bluetooth thing on my brain. So brain tumors and whatnot, obviously. Yeah, for, okay. for a third of the day or more. <laughs> um, so I I went and got an old school plug-in, you know, auxiliary cable one. And that's what wow. I use now. But do you yeah, wake right. up tangled? Uh, not too not too bad. But I've got a, yeah, so I've got that and a, like an old uh, iPhone, which had an auxiliary uh, plug in it. And I just use that. That way I don't have my phone in, in bed with me, which... I'd, so I don't Hang wake on, up so, and go straight on a social media and stuff. So for you to do this, you've purchased an analog sleep headband, and also you've got an old, you've got a secondary phone yeah. just for sleep sounds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're yeah, taking it, it seriously. Wow. Yeah. I'm taking it seriously. Yeah. So I know this is not what the podcast is about, Dave, but um, hey, it's uh, all sleep chat. It's all book related. Because <laughs> I, I'm sure a lot of listeners would listen would would like listen in like to this as they go to sleep or other podcasts as they go to sleep. I've been listening to football podcasts as I go to sleep recently. Actually, I say recently for the past three or four years now. <laughs> and before that, I used to listen to comedy podcasts, but like you, Dave, too much energy, too many zingers. I mean, like you, Matt. Sorry, too too much energy, too many zingers, too many voices. So. Football podcasts I've started listening to. I got I've been tangled up in my little earbud, earbuds a couple of times. And so I've I sleep in the bed with someone and <laughs> I don't mean to brag. Um uh, my, my 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 girlfriend Hum, she doesn't know anything about football, football and has no interest in football. But she said, Oh, can you just play the podcast out loud so I can listen to it as I go to sleep? I was like, sure. But now what happens is I put them on for five minutes. And then I end up just explaining football to her for 45 minutes and neither of us goes to sleep. And it's the worst possible solution. And you've been doing this for three years. No, no. This this latest development has been about six, oh, 12 weeks. It's been sort of Sydney lockdown. So maybe 12 or 13 weeks, uh, three months maybe. Uh, and I can't think of a way to solve it. When you say football, that's like uh, EPL. Oh, like soccer football. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, like European um, soccer. I started, yeah. I've started trying to get more into NFL this year, American oh, yeah. football. And... So I downloaded a few podcasts, and I the only time I really listen to podcasts is going to bed. Yeah. So I was try I tried like three different ones, and they are their their energy level is off the scale. <laughs> the natural of them, charisma of Americans means you just can't go to sleep. They're, they're yelling. They're so excited, like right off the bat. One of them literally had air horns within the first couple of minutes. <laughs> and I'm like lying in bed, going, I don't think this one's going to work. <laughs> And I, I mean, because the the logic was, I think listening to something you don't know that much about, a lot of it sounds a bit like gibberish. Oh, so sure. you can sort of you learn yeah. a little bit, but you drift off as well because you yeah. can't quite focus. That makes sense. Um, like a lot of people who listen to this podcast, I think. And then, um, <laughs> I don't know, was that a good singer there, Dave? Cop that. Ow! You look more confused than hurt by it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it did it? The air horns made that too difficult. Well, we're about, I've just noticed we are about we're about to be seven minutes into the podcast. 
And seven minutes is how long it takes for someone on average to fall asleep. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you're trying to go to sleep, um, have a wonderful dream. Uh, well, I'm just going to put in the air horns right here to pet this thing back up. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. And I mean, we're back. You, you work with you work on the radio, Hing. Yes. The, so you would have to do you'd have to do a bit of reading probably to talk to guests who are on book tours and stuff. Sometimes. Mm, yeah, yeah, a little bit of that. Uh, currently, though, uh, like uh, to be honest, I've read. Uh, we've probably interviewed about twelve people who have books in the year and a bit. I've been doing the, the show, maybe year and a half. I've been doing the show, and I reckon I've read maybe four of the books, and they were people who are my friends. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we're not doing like it's Triple J. It's not like you know. It's not like um. Radio National, something we've got to do a hard hitting forty five minute yes. interview with someone. It's just like, and and often sometimes with writers, I find if you ask them about the book, it's not actually interesting radio. You you actually don't want them to just tell you about the book because they know everything about this one subject, and for them to condense it down into a three minute like <laughs> radio break or whatever, it just sends them insane. They find it insulting. So it's much better just to get to know them as a fun person or get them to tell some fun stories, and then. And then just at the end be like, also, oh, they've got a book and go buy this book. It's about, you know, the Aztecs or whatever. Yes. Um, but I-, I have been reading a book recently uh, this last week. Uh, I don't know when everyone's listening to this, but uh, we're recording this about a week from when uh, or a couple of days after the comedian Norm MacDonald died. And I had his book on my uh, bookshelf and had never actually read it. So I'm reading that. And it is, as everyone is saying... Just so funny, and it's the best, and he's so so funny. Oh, I, I that's have, great. I haven't I'm, read that. I've, I saw a bunch of people put out like screenshots of pages of, and everything I read was oh, so funny. I man. was like, I gotta read this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I highly recommend. I'm, I'm about a hundred pages into it now, and it's just the best. Oh, that's so good. It's not on Australian Audible, unfortunately. Oh, it's, so you can't. It seems to be. Maybe it's on. There is an audio book of it, but it's mm. not available here for whatever Would reason. you like me to... Rec- uh, how about as I read it now, Matt, I'll read it out loud and I'll That'd send you an MP3 file. Of Either MP3 it. or you can just call me whenever you're reading. Whatever I'm doing, I'll stop and I'll listen in. <laughs> okay. What time do you go to bed? I'll call you. <laughs> hey, I'm flexible. I'll go to bed whenever I'll you I'll read call. you to sleep. <laughs> That'd be lovely. <laughs> you just have to guess when he's asleep? I I think yeah, he's yeah. asleep. I think he's asleep now. I don't I'm know. I'm still here. All right, sorry. Let me. Keep You'll going. know when I'm asleep. <laughs> I've got a powerful snore. <laughs> well, I've also been reading this week, and mm-hmm. uh, I have been reading Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, a children's classic for the ages. Oh, that is the story. Is this you this is on? Alice in Wonderland. Yes, that's why we're, what we're talking about today. Right. So, yeah, is this the original Alice in Wonderland? Yes, the original one, published in 1835. Who? What was Ooh. the author's name again? Peter Carroll? Uh, Lewis, Lewis Carroll. Carroll. Huh. Peter Carroll's probably a footballer. Now, what's... um? So, what? But was there a whole series of these books? Uh, there was... I think there were quite a few two. Alice books. Two. Oh. But then it's yeah. it's one of those things that's like, you know, permeated popular culture for over 150 years. So mm. lots of adaptations, lots of media, lots of films and TV shows as well. Um, so you, do you guys know much about it? Have you read the original one or seen movies or TV shows over the years? I reckon this was read to me as a child and I have retained none of it. And I reckon I've seen the Disney film 
and maybe a few others. But the most, the certainly the most memorable uh, anchor I have to this book is the Disney film. It is Disney, right? Just yeah. the classic film. Yes, there's yeah. a, a 1951 yeah. cartoon from Disney. Yeah, that's the one I've that's the one I've seen um, a lot. What about you, Matt? I've seen that one, and I've seen it. I, I reckon there was one I saw where one of the uh, Cheers booze hounds plays Tweedledee or Tweedledum or both. Oh, that's a like vague a live memory. action one. Yeah, maybe Norm actually. The guy who plays Norm in <laughs> Cheers. Norm. Huh. And there was another one. It was I reckon it was a telly movie from when I was a kid, like nine, sometime in the nineties, and that was the one I've seen the most. And it was yeah. I, do all of them have the mirror part? And it's kind of freaky. She can't get back at one point. Like the uh, I think that's that's the, the the sequel uh, through the looking glass. Right. But I imagine okay. that they sort of like put them together and just get the yeah. best bits of you in mm. a bunch I'm, of them. I'm, only, I'm just having all these vague memories. And I definitely saw the one with Johnny Depp at the cinemas 10 years ago whenever that came out as well. Johnny oh, Depp? Cool. Yeah, I never saw that. It was a Tim Burton movie and they also made the sequel as well. But yeah, I haven't seen that. Nice one. Well, it's, oh, yeah. it's, a, I remember that. it's a very popular yeah. suggestion, uh, it turns out. A bunch of people have asked me to do it. Uh, and if you want to suggest a book, there's a link in the description of this episode. And a bunch of these people did that. They filled out a form and said, hey, you should do Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. And I'd like mm. to just quickly shout out to them. That's thanks to Alison Day from Leahy, Utah. Quentin Chalair from Northport, Florida. Seba from Iceland. Johnny Dawson from Leicester. Raina Ramirez from Cerritos, California. Harry Green from Cows on the Isle of Wight. James Mawson from somewhere in England. Miriam White from Canberra. And Hazel Jaggers. What a name. From Hailsham. Hazel Jaggers. Hazel Jaggers. That is very good. (laughs) You have listeners in the Isle of Wight? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I don't know a lot about the Isle of Wight. I thought the Isle of Wight was like had like I thought it was like one of those decommissioned World War Two naval stations or something that became a micronation. Is that the Isle of Wight, or is the Isle of Wight actually a place? Yeah, it's like. Hang on. Oh no, I've googled it. It is the largest and second most populous island of England. Okay, it's quite big. <laughs> it's quite big. Yeah, well, there's the Isle of Man. Is that a? Is that? Maybe I'm thinking of one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, I think it has, people live there as well. <laughs> yeah, it has. No, but there's some micronation. Are you thinking um, of Sealand? Sealand. I'm thinking of Sealand, <laughs> Dave. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I apologise to listeners in the Isle of Wight. I thought you were a decommissioned World War II station. Well, him, You're actually a I'm real place. I'm actually a uh, lord of Sealand. What? Really? Yeah. Can you buy it on the internet? Or yeah, have that, you yes. sort of done a hostile takeover? <laughs> have you done a coup in Sealand, Matt? <laughs> Well, uh, that was the second option, but luckily they just let me buy one online. I say let me, let Dave That's buy right. One I online. bought Jess and Matt titles for Sealand. We did a report uh, about them on Do Go On. Oh, right. And then um, I won a, a competition where I won some money. Thank you very much to Jess and Matt for campaigning. And part of that was uh, I promised them that I would buy them titles for... Far out. To be lords and ladies How of much Sealand. did you get? How, what, what did you win and how much did you spend on the titles? Uh, well, let's not go into exact or? figures. It's difficult to say because I had to buy it in pounds. Uh, it cost me several oh. hundred dollars. Um, no, maybe not even. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked up Peter Carroll, by the way. He's an Australian actor. 
<laughs> good to know. Good to know. So, there were people yelling at their iPods. Absolutely, at especially in the Isle of Wight, they were yelling. <laughs> they were furious. <laughs> like, first Sealand and now this. Yeah. God, this podcast has oh, gone to the dogs. Can't get anything right. Well, let me tell you about. Can I the- tell you, Jess Perkins is doing really well in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> She's looking good. <laughs> I could have told you that. You're wasting your time. Thing. She's 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 first pick, then Dave, and there's a quite a bit of daylight. I think. Hey, happy you mentioned in the top two. Thanks very much. Uh, now I usually give a background to the book, so why change now? Um, so Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. It's uh, an 1865. I said 35 before. I meant 65. Children's novel by Charles Lutwidge Dodgson, better known by his pen name Lewis Carroll. Uh, Dodson arrived at his pen name by taking his own name, Charles Lutwidge, translating both words into Latin as Carolus Ludovicus, then reversing and then retranslating them into English. So he basically did that thing where you like used Google Translate and then translate it back, but in the 1850s. Uh, that's mm-hmm. clever. So yeah, that's how he's Lewis Carroll, and that's what everyone knows him as. Uh, he grew up in a household of 11 children, and they used to entertain each other with games and made-up stories. Uh, he grew... 11's too many, I think. Oh, my I mean, obviously, it's a different time back then, and you shouldn't judge people, but 11 seems like a it's lot. It's a lot. It's a lot, lot of children. Yeah, so, I wonder if they know what was causing it. <laughs> well. Hey, little joke there. Joke. <laughs> Do you reckon they had 11 kids there because they didn't realise that um, that sex is what caused children? <laughs> yeah, imagine. <laughs> they go, it happened again. <laughs> Why does this keep happening? <laughs> That's weird. We've had, we've got, now we've got 11 kids and we've had sex 11 times. Strange. Very strange. strange. It's very strange. Anyway. Uh, so he was always telling stories to his uh, his brothers and sisters. He grew up to be a teacher of mathematics at Oxford and a deacon of the Anglican Church. But he, he told stories to the children of Henry George Little, a family friend. And one day he told them the story of Alice's Adventures Underground, named after one of the girls he was talking to, Alice. And the kids liked it so much that he wrote it down. And then the rest is history. Alice's Adventures Underground does not sound like Alice in Wonderland. Alice's Adventures Underground sounds like her going to a rave where she takes ketamine, honestly. <laughs> Deep in the K-hole. That, yeah. It does feel a bit like I've never had ketamine, but it feels like the adventure she goes on could be... The <laughs> could be ketamine-related. Yeah. Ketamine-induced. Honestly, it's starting to finally make sense to me. <laughs> Uh, it was popular almost from the moment it was published and has remained in print ever since, influencing everyone from Walt Disney to Salvador Dali. Uh, Lewis Carroll became a famous name and he entertained children by reading uh, stories to them. Eventually, he was invited to entertain two grandchildren of Queen Victoria herself. So he, hmm. he became very famous in his lifetime. He published a sequel, like I said, through The Looking Glass in 1871. And I love this from the Encyclopedia Britannica, which says his poem, The Hunting of the Snark, is nonsense literature of the highest order. So, oh, it is. That's um did wait, because he also wrote Jabberwocky, didn't he? Yes, that comes from, I believe, through the looking glass. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Um my great grandmother, um, who was who was a Chinese Australian person, or who was, I should say, a Chinese Australian person, um, but grew up in Australia, so had like a very, very thick Australian accent. One of her party tricks was she knew all the words to Jabber, Jabberwocky or whatever. And so would do it like t- for us kids and stuff. Um, and so there was a time when I thought a lot of the words in Jabberwocky were real words because I because <laughs> it was just a thing my great-grandmother said. 
And so, like, Guiling Gimbal, I'm like, oh, that just means over there, you know? Like, like. <laughs> that must have been very confusing to find out. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. In, the, you're in the playground? Jabba Jimble? Yeah. Jabba Jimble? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is this kid saying? Jabble Jim. Oh, my goodness. Jimble Job. Jimble Job? You guys? Are we, are we all together? You've been a real bandersnatch, frankly. <laughs> I've heard of that one. That's the isn't that something else? Uh, Bandersnatch is I think that is fr- I, it's it's a line in 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 Jabberwocky. I, I think it was, and it's... it was used for a, the name of the interactive Black Mirror. I think isn't it? Ah, oh, I don't right. know. I, yeah, there you go. Uh, it's hard not to mention that when he died in 1898, he was seen by Victorians as a fun guy that entertained children. But his reputation has come into question since then. And uh, to quote from the Smithsonian. Lewis Carroll is treated like a man you wouldn't want your kids to meet, yet his stories are still oh. presented as classics of pure, innocent literature. Huh. And I dug Wait. in... What, what are we talking like? He, he'll he'll give them like a cigarette or he'll <laughs> do something to them? Why, won't, why wouldn't you want him to meet him? <laughs> well, I went deep into the rabbit hole on this because I mm-hmm. had heard the story before that he was a bit sus with kids. Um, oh. But... I must How say, does a kid's story survive that? I know, but reading into it, let me just say, in the 1930s, the book was psychoanalyzed by a writer named A.M.E. Goldschmidt, who wrote an essay titled mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland Psychoanalyzed, in which he suggested that Dodgson, Lewis Carroll, was suppressing a sexual desire for Alice, the main character. Uh, this was the oh. beginning of speculation about the author, and since then, multiple biographies have written... Some suggesting that he had pedophilic tendencies that he never acted on, and some saying that he absolutely didn't do any of that. If you have more right. interest in going uh, into this, there's a an article I'll link to on the Smithsonian called Lewis Carroll's Shifting Reputation. History.com sums up their thoughts in one sentence, saying, despite conjecture, little evidence of child abuse can be brought against him. Little evidence or no evidence? <laughs> I think that a lot of people say... evidence. Yeah, well, a lot of people are saying none. Some people are saying mm. some. And then it does seem like it all started in the 1930s. Uh, so so it, from what you're saying, this has all come from some, like some old quacky science, maybe. Potentially. That's where it all, yeah. absolutely all started, yeah. Yeah, right. right. That's okay. strange. Okay. Oh, you'd be furious. Oh, absolutely. Wouldn't you be furious if your reputation was tarnished for the, by that? Yeah, yeah, like three decades after he died. And when he died, he was, you know, seen with... He had a great reputation. He was so. beloved. But that aside, whatever the reputation of the author, the classic, like you say, Matt, the work has remained unscathed and is still a classic of children's literature. It's been adapted for TV and film over 20 times. <laughs> over a couple of dozen now. So, yeah. Shall we crack into Alice's Adventures in One Oh, Play? yeah, we haven't even started the book yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Does it normally take this long? <laughs> Well, sometimes. Sorry, we talked a lot about sleep. That's my bad. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> now, I always start with the opening line uh, to give a bit of context, and that is the opening line of Chapter 1, Down the Rabbit Hole. Alice was beginning to get very tired of sitting by her sister on the bank and of having nothing to do. Once or twice she had peeped into the book her sister was reading, but had no pictures or conversation in it. And what is the use of a book, thought Alice, without pictures or conversations? And we're off. <laughs> Strong start. Mm. I understood all those words. That's a good start. <laughs> Fingle fongle? No, none of that. 
<laughs> so Alice is uh, super bored when uh, a rabbit runs past and she hears him say, oh dear, oh dear, I shall be late. Oh, that's oh. from the book. That that really, that, I reckon they use that in most of the adaptations. Yeah, it's a sense memory, that. A sense memory, what does that mean? Oh, as in just like, as in like just hearing those words, oh dear, oh dear, I'm late. I can, I can picture the rabbit. Yes, do you know what I mean? I'm like, I know. Time. I know that rabbit. That's the mad. Oh, that's the mad rabbit. Is that what they call him? Mad rabbit. I think most of the characters are mad. Right. Okay. There's a mad hatter. Mad hatter. Right. Yes. Anyway, sorry, Dave. Please. But we get straight into it. Like straight away. Like there's that opening sentence about Mm. the the real word, and then she sees rabbit. So there's no sort of building up to it. We're straight into this this world, and. uh, Alice decides to follow the rabbit, who also has a pocket watch. So we, it speaks English, it's got a watch. We know something's up with this rabbit. Mm. Uh, the rabbit eventually disappears down a rabbit hole, and Alice follows him there. And when she does so, she finds herself falling. Falling and falling for ages, like she's in a, a long tunnel or a vortex or something. And there's cupboards all around her, one of which has an empty jar of marmalade in it. And she's got time to grab it. And then she's falling for so long, she's got time to daydream and sort of get bored. Of falling, <laughs> she starts thinking about her cat. Uh, before is this uh, this the K hole sort yeah, of? Is that what it feels usually, like? King? Yeah, I mean, usually a little bit more sleepy than this, but yeah, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> and uh, eventually, she lands uninjured. Uh, she sees the rabbit again disappearing around a corner, so she goes after him, and uh, she finds herself in a corridor of locked doors. But she also spies a key on a glass table. Mm. She's like. This key's going to unlock one of these doors So she tries it in all the doors But it doesn't fit any of the locks That is Until she tries it in a tiny door Behind a curtain And uh, it works And on the other side She spies a lovely lush garden Uh, She'd love to go and check it out But she's way too big To fit through the door So she Mm. can't get in there Damn it Obviously a relatable problem Mm. Have you ever been too big for a door? Oh, so all the time, you know? <laughs> I can't think of a time <laughs> when I couldn't fit through a door. Usually doors are basically... Oh, maybe getting into a car sometimes. You feel like... Do you ever get into a real oh. small car and you're like... So at the front of where I live, the nature strip mm. is sort of raised a bit. And if you park too close to it, when you open the door, the door digs into the grass and you yeah, can't open yeah. it anymore. And yeah, it's worse yeah. when <laughs> if you get into the car and you, you sneak in, your weight on that side of the vehicle makes it go down. Pulls the car down. And then you can't yeah. even close the door. You're sort of digging all this dirt. So, yes. Yeah, no, 100%. 100% I, I have no, not no, been no, able exactly to get into a car. Yeah. <laughs> so she's bummed. She can't get, into the, can't get through the door. But she puts the key back on the table and spies a bottle that wasn't there before. And it's labeled, Drink Me. Which, as a PSA to any kids listening, is not a good idea to follow that instruction. Far out. That's another great question. Have you ever drunk something that said "drink me" on it? Have you ever seen something? I reckon I've. Have you ever? Have you ever? Have you ever listened to a label to drink something? I don't think I ever have. Oh, I feel like there's but, a bunch of like sassy oat milk like cartons now that say stuff like "drink me" and oh sure stuff like but that. But if someone like Matt, for example, if you walked into a if you're at a party, yeah, right, and you wander away from the main party into the kitchen, and then on the kitchen bench there was just a jar with, say, a blue liquid in it and, and had some tape on it that said, drink me, would you drink it? Uh, what are you offering me? <laughs> no, you're alone. You're alone at this party and it just says, drink me. Would oh. you have a sip? 
Wait, well, what is it? Does it just say drink me? Does it say drink me, Matt Stewart? Oh, good question. Uh, it is says it, is... it says drink me, or it says like fr- maybe there's maybe there's like ten jars, and they all say okay. drink me. So it's oh. not you know. So yeah, you're taking pro- the only one at a house party. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably drink that. Would you drink it, Dave? If it said drink me, Matt Stewart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a spot. Yeah, it says, no, it doesn't say drink me. It just says Matt's on it. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's. Yeah, he would. Don't mind. touch. Don't drink. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would. Would I, you drink it, Hing? I, I think drink, I would drink it. I would drink it. Drink yeah. me. It would yeah. probably depend on the party a little bit. Some oh, parties, sure. I'd ask a few more questions. <laughs> if you're deep in the K-hole, probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but she does drink it. She uh, absolutely drinks it. And she finds herself shrinking smaller and smaller and smaller until she's small enough to fit through that garden door. How lucky is that? Amazing. Right? <laughs> You know, just when she needed it, she's got the drink that's perfect for the scenario. Do we know if that drink would have shrunken no matter what, or is the drink doing what she needed at that time? It feels like it was put there for her, because it wasn't there when she didn't need it, and then she realizes, oh, I'd love to get through there, but I'm not small enough, and then... Is this uh, that uh, do sex machina or whatever? Day sex machina. Oh, you pretty, you know... The, tomato, the ghost in the machine. I feel like the ghost in the machine usually comes towards the end of the book. It doesn't come, you know, four pages in. <laughs> Throwing the hand of God around at every opportunity. Imagine if you've only got one day's ex machina and you use it right at the start, oh, and then by the end of the by the end of the book, everything is complicated. You wish you could just hand wave it away, but it's just we already used our one back at the start. <laughs> but you, well, you would be bummed if you. If you went early, because she realizes that now she's small, she's left the key on the table, which is now way out of her tiny reach. So she can't get the key to open the door, which is now, which is is locked again. She starts crying before finding a small cake under the table that says, eat me. And you'll never believe what she does next. (laughs) That's fun. She eats it. And she (laughs) she begins to grow and grow until she's so big, her head hits the ceiling. And she starts crying, and because she's so big now, she's a giant, her tears create a small river in the hallway around her. Then the stressed-out white rabbit reappears and mutters to himself about keeping a duchess waiting. And he rushes off again, but not before leaving a fan behind, a little handheld fan, that Alice starts using. And this causes her to get small again, and she uses it to get down to the size of the garden door. Her priority seems to not be getting home at this point. It's about getting through that little door. That's all she cares about. (laughs) She also has, at this stage, a bit of an identity crisis because she can't remember an old saying, an old poem, that she's sure she should know. And then she starts thinking, maybe I'm not Alice. Maybe I'm a much dumber girl I know called Mabel because Mabel definitely doesn't know this saying. (laughs) Have we heard much? Do we ever find more out about Mabel? I want to hear about this dumb idiot, Mabel. <laughs> Sadly, that's all we hear about Mabel. It's just that, oh, Mabel's dumb and doesn't know this poem. Maybe I'm her. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm Mabel. Stupid Mabel. <laughs> <laughs> so now Alice is small again. She's tiny. She gets washed away by her own river of tears that she cried when she was a giant. And as she's pulled into the current, she sees a mouse that she offends by mentioning her cat. But eventually it helps her swim to shore. Oh, wait. Oh, she offends a a mouse. Yeah, by mentioning, she's like, oh, I'm sure this cat. Or the cat was it the mouse's ex or something? (laughs) (laughs) Why, how dare you bring them up here? (laughs) 
Can you imagine though, if if you were a if you were a mouse or a cat and you were and you were in a relationship and then you broke up, everyone you know would be like, I told you, I told you that cat was bad <laughs> yeah. news. Like all the cats would be like, that you should never have dated the mouse. That's, Mortal enemies, you know what I mean? That's <laughs> true. It would have been a surprising pair of a real star-crossed lover sort of stuff. Dave, that's a reference to Romeo and Juliet. Oh, I thought it was a reference to Hamlet. Fuck, is it? No. <laughs> no, no, I just knew that that would make you freak out. <laughs> Damn it. Very quick to second guess. Don't use that knowledge sorry, against sorry. me, Dave. <laughs> I'll never do that again. So now she, she's out of the river. She's on the bank uh, because the mouse that used to date a cat helped her out. And uh, there's a bunch of animals around like a bird. Like lots of birds and a crab. <laughs> like are these a- noteworthy? There's just lots of animals. Like it, I, I reckon in so many stories there'd be a bird around. <laughs> no, you know, they're like, in the woods or something. A- <laughs> <laughs> they're on the bank. They're they're hanging out with a crab. It's a weird assortment of of animals. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think any of this made it into one of the movies I've seen. You don't remember the crab <laughs> or a I bird? Don't no. The crab or the the mouse and the cat. Forbidden lovers. They've all they've all been in the river of tears and are freaking out about how to get dry, uh, which is weird for a the crab. The river of tears definitely rings a bell, though. Mm. Think of that. It's weird for a crab to freak out about getting wet, isn't it? Though. But anyway, he's freaking out with with the birds, <laughs> I guess. And uh, the mouse tries to get them dry by giving them a very dry lecture on William the Conqueror. Hmm? Ah, a bit of a is that punnery there? Yeah, though? a bit of fun. There's, there's Your qu- favorite. There's quite a few puns in this book. A lot of wordplay. A kid, a kid's getting that kind of joke. No, it's like Shrek. There's some jokes for the adults as well. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that one's for Dad. <laughs> dad, lo- dad loves William the Conqueror gear. Loves it. <laughs> uh, again, Alice upsets all the animals by mentioning her cat, and they all leave. So it seems like this cat has many exes. They're all offended when she brings it up. Uh, the white rabbit appears again and mistakes Alice. For his maidservant and orders her to go to that, go into a house and retrieve some gloves and a fan that he's misplaced. That's because he put them down before. And inside, mm-hmm. she finds another little bottle labelled Drink Me. Oh, well, now you'd be getting cocky with it, wouldn't <laughs> this you? This feels like a crutch, to be honest. This feels like a literary crutch. <laughs> and not having learned her lesson, she drinks from it, immediately beginning to grow again. Uh, and she's inside a house and her hands dangle through the house window and she gets stuck inside the like her foot gets stuck in the chimney. She's way too big for this house. And the rabbit gets annoyed. And when it can't get into the house, because Alice has filled it up, a crowd gathers and starts sort of talking about wanting to burn it down because there's this weird giant woman inside. Oh. And the riotous mobs start to throw stones, but they turn into cakes and Alice actually eats one and then she shrinks again and is able to leave the house. Would you put that as part of the crutch or is a, a stone turning into a cake? Is that better? Well, it, it just feels like there's a lot of um, ingestion of... It, it's like sort of ingestion and then size. Ingestion, then size. That feels yeah. like the thing that... The theme. Can you, you know? can you imagine the stretch marks? Unbelievable. <laughs> going up, going down. <laughs> Would you rather be four times bigger than you are or four times smaller than you are? Oh. So you're either a quarter of the size you are now. So I don't know. You'd be like what one and a half feet tall or something because you're probably about six foot now, or something like that. Thank you. You'd be a quarter of that, or you'd be like what twenty four foot tall. At first, my first instinct was go 
big because you can play basketball or whatever, make a good yeah. living. Sure. But that that's definitely not. I think definitely a quarter of the size. If you were twenty four feet tall, you, you what house could you live in? Yeah, exactly. It'd be it would be eight meters tall or something. You couldn't. It'd be a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't fall for your trap. <laughs> nice <laughs> so try. You'd go, so you'd go small. Yeah. Dave, would you also small. go small? Um, no. Why? Why not? I'm gonna go big. Just I'll just get a big, big house. I'm gonna. I'm a big man. <laughs> what do you mean you just, just get a big, a big house? house. <laughs> I'll get a big house. I'll get a big car. Oh, how are you gonna get a big house? I'm a big man. People, will you sell tickets to see the big man? Yeah, that's right. I work one hour a day. Come see the big man. And the rest of the day, I'm just in my big man house. Would you still do stand up? Would you do? Would you do stand up comedy as as a, as a twenty foot tall man? <laughs> yeah. Twenty four foot tall. But man. I only do it in outdoor venues, which is very COVID safe. So I'd be killing it's actually it. great now. I'd be killing it. <laughs> yeah, any of your sort of your sprayed particles or whatever they are would be going way over their heads anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All the be droplets. Safer. Yeah. That's quite funny because you know if you did like an if you ended up getting so famous you'd do it a stadium arena tour that have the big screens next to you but those big screens would be smaller than you. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so you can look at me with just within just a line of sight. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to like you don't have to go yeah, look up and scanning down me. to get Dave's. <laughs> Hing, what would anyway, you? Sorry, what would you picking? Would you go big or small? I would. I, I think I'd go small. I'd go little. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to be a little a little guy. Um, yeah, I'd carry I'd carry you both around. That'd be fun. <laughs> One under yeah, each arm. Feel that big, sort of. We can yeah. be pocket size for you, for a giant. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I'm not fully picturing how big you are, but it's huge. And I'm also. I just realised I'm picturing you getting taller, but no other proportions changing. <laughs> so just stretching out. Ooh, <laughs> real lanky stick man. I'm up for it. Okay, great. I would drink the person that said, if it said drink me, to get eight metres tall. (laughs) Uh, So Alice, she wanders around. She comes upon a mushroom and sitting on it is a a blue caterpillar smoking a hooker pipe. Ah, yes. Remember Remember that. Remember the caterpillar. Mm -hmm. The opium caterpillar, I remember. Yeah, he's sucking it down. And the the caterpillar questions Alice, who begins to admit to her current identity crisis. Compounded by inability to remember that poem. Remember, she might be Mabel. We're not sure. Mm. Uh, but before crawling away, the caterpillar tells Alice that one side of the mushroom he's sitting on will make her taller, and the other side will make her shorter. So always size with this guy. <laughs> Constant more. size changing. Get it? Get a new joke. <laughs> For the psychoanalyst here, is it? Is, what does he? Th- what's? I don't understand where he's found these things. Mm. Her getting bigger and smaller. Maybe it comes later. Maybe it's right. maybe it wasn't yeah, in the true. first four pages of the book or whatever. <laughs> Wait, are we only four pages in? <laughs> I don't know. Dave. No, we're about halfway through. It's it's quite a it's a quite a short story. We're halfway we're halfway through. Well, Matt, we're five chapters of twelve in. Hing, do you want me to recap? So she can't she went down the thing, she saw yep. White Rabbit. That uh-huh. I looked at you know, that name of that rabbit's White Rabbit. So that's where Eminem got his name, I guess. Uh-huh. And then he um, and then she uh, went down the hole real slow, and then she got big and small and big and small and yeah. Big so each again. like big and small, each of them is a chapter. I assumed that it was happening in one chapter, but big is a chapter and small is a chapter. Then big, okay. Yeah, basically. Right. Right. And uh, well, so she's been told, hey, if you eat this side of the mu- well, one side of this mushroom will make you taller, one side will make you smaller. I won't tell you which one. And then the caterpillar goes away. So she breaks off two pieces from the mushroom, and she sort of nibbles them. And one side makes her sh- shrink smaller than ever. 
whilst another causes her neck to grow so high that she goes into the trees. She's got a nine oh. foot tall neck. So now she's going to have, or she's sort of now having to nibble one and the other to even it out, kind of like when you're trying to do your sideburns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Do you think that's what he was trying to say in this bit? If you're suckling all the corrected. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think this is a sideburn. He was, he just done his sideburns, <laughs> took him ages, then he converted into this mushroom thing. <laughs> But you're so right. She's so large, she has to convince a dive-bombing pigeon that she's not a serpent. Because uh, she's up in, the, up in the clouds. But she eats the other side of the mushroom and Alice gets back to her normal height. So now at least she can control how big she wants to be. She's got this sort of mechanism. So we don't... Imagine mm. this, pi- this pigeon dive-bombing. You're like, I don't have time for this. I'm not a serpent. <laughs> I don't want to have to convince... I don't have to convince you of this. I'm clearly a person who's... <laughs> Just now, growing up into the trees. Okay? So wait. So now, now you're annoyed at having. You're annoyed at the indignity of having to prove your humanity. Yeah. To, to a bird. To a bird. <laughs> to a bird of all people. A bird. <laughs> I'm clearly just a young girl with a nine foot tall neck who might be Alice, who might be Mabel. That's clearly who I am. Uh, Dave, you keep you've said nine foot tall neck twice now. Are you yes. saying the neck is at nine feet height? Or, do you, or is just the, the portion of the body that is the neck has elongated to nine feet? Yeah, the neck. then surely the dive-bombing right. pigeon would be going, are you a giraffe, not a serpent? Yeah, exactly. How dumb is this pigeon? <laughs> I mean, how dumb are all pigeons? It's true. They seem very stupid. Yeah. But on a scale of one to Mabel, I'm not sure. <laughs> she arrives at a house and decides to let herself in after the doorman just speaks gibberish to her. And inside, it's... The Duchess's house. The Duchess's cook is throwing dishes and making a soup that has so much pepper in it that everyone is sneezing violently, including the Duchess and her baby. Now, the only one not to sneeze is another famous character, the Cheshire Cat. Oh, oh yes, the Cheshire the cat. cat. Yes. Who- I, was, I think in my head I've sort of merged the Caterpillar and the Cheshire Cat together. They're both oh. sort of smarmy, wise Guys, is that right? Yeah, well, the the cat does do a bit of talking, but it also does a lot of uh, watching on and just smiling. Right. Mm. And the Cheshire Cat also, uh, I think in the movie, does a lot of like blending into the background and camouflage and appearing here and there. Yeah, so it sort of disappears, but the smile is usually still remaining. Yeah. And that happens in the book too, so that that is uh, faithful to the book. Alice, she's never seen a cat smile before. She's very surprised. Uh, she's also very surprised that the cook hurls objects randomly at the Duchess and the baby, including saucepans and plates. But no one else seems phased by this, by the cook just throwing shit at a baby. Eventually, the Duchess gives the baby to Alice, and whilst holding onto the baby, it turns into a pig. So she just Ugh. so she just puts it down, and then the pig just trots off. And we know we don't know what happens to the pig slash baby. This feels like it just does. It feels like a trip. It feels like a long. One hundred percent. It is just a, a sequence of strange scenes. Yeah, and a classic book. Yeah. Who's the antagonist in this? It's hard to tell who the antagonist is. Like the protagonist is clearly Alice. Who's the baddie? Who's the villain? Oh, we've you know? we've got a villain coming up. Oh, okay. Good to know. Good the Jabberwocky. <laughs> is that something? Not this time. Ah, oh. that's from the sequel. The sequel. Have we talked about this already? Is this what Hing was talking about before? Yeah. Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> That's the poem that Grandma Hing knew off by heart. That was Great Jabberwocky. Grandma. Great Grandma. <laughs> and that is not 
the baddie, though. Hmm. There you go. Not this time, but we've got a baddie coming up. And I, I'm pretty sure you'll realize who it is. Uh, mostly from her catchphrase, which we'll get to. But before that. <gasps> oh, yes. Mm. Oof. Does it start with oof? Yes, it does. Little sizzle there. Little sizzle for uh, about two <laughs> chapters time. Uh, anyway, we're burning through this. Uh, the Cheshire Cat then reappears in a tree and tells... So he's obviously got a bit of magic going on. This guy can disappear and reappear. He tells her to visit the Mad Hatter and the March Hare, but warns her that they are both mad, which uh, is probably indicated by the fact that the man's name is Mad Hatter. But the, <laughs> the cat tells her that he will catch up with her later at the Queen's Croquet Match before disappearing. That is, his body disappears, but his grin remains behind a float on its own in the air, prompting Alice to remark that she's now often seen a cat without a grin, but never a grin without a cat. Bit of fun there. <laughs> wow. What a witticism from Alice. <laughs> she looks around and no one was he- there to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Huh? <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. Write that down. Write that down. It's funny that the, the Mad Hatter in my head it plays a much bigger part in this book. We're well over halfway through it and he hasn't appeared. He's basically yet. got one scene. It's this chapter, chapter seven, a mad tea party. Yeah, this is, the, this is one of the iconic bits. Mm. So she, she continues on her way and comes across a large table under a tree. It's set up for a tea party. Lots of places set. Lots of people could sit there. But Alice is told that there's no room for her. But she sits down anyway and joins the Mad Tea Party along with the March Hare, the Mad Hatter, and a very tired Dormouse, who falls asleep frequently only to be violently awakened moments later by the March Hare and the Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. And the Mad Hatter, he loves giving Alice riddles, including the first one, which is the most famous one. He says, why is a raven like a writing desk? I don't know why, why is, is a, a raven, raven like a like writing, writing desk? desk. Any 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 ideas on this one? Um, do ravens send messages? No, that's Game of Thrones. That's Game of Thrones. <laughs> I don't know. Well, after a lot of frustration, Alice also gives up, only to find out that the Mad Hatter doesn't know either. So he's just sp- spewing out <laughs> these rid- nonsense riddles <laughs> with no answer. Infuriating, truly infuriating. <laughs> yeah. And Dave, you just recreated that infuriating behavior <laughs> by asking us to solve it. Yeah, I knew that is true, Dave. Answer. You did do I that. I knew there was no answer. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> the whole time you knew. <laughs> uh, the Hatter reveals that they have tea all day long because time has been, has punished him by eternally standing still at 6 p.m., which for him is tea time. So he's got to constantly have have a tea party. Wow, that's a little bit um, like dystopian, isn't it? I, did, I didn't realize that he was stuck in purgatory like that. And that's so that's how he got mad, is it? Yeah, I think, and he's just—he's. It seems like he's going madder and madder over time. I reckon what mm. I would do with that is for sure have tea, but then you know, have a six o'clock nap. You can you can do other things at six o'clock. Oh, you'd you'd use this as a way to empower yourself over time yeah. rather than be trapped at 6 o'clock in That's your right. habits. Now you can just do whatever you like. 6 o'clock is whatever you make of yeah. it. 6 p.m. brunch. Love it. Love it. Mm. Just live your life. And now you've got, you know, you've got an unlimited one. That's a gift. Or if this is the 90s, you could chuck on Channel 10 and watch The Simpsons over and over again. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, I guess it would only ever be starting, though, wouldn't it? 
It's oh. never even moving a minute. Yeah, what if it's just six o'clock? Is it always just that exact second, oh, or do you get like half it's an just hour? The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is the show? <laughs> it's cloudy. I know that. Yeah, this cloudy <laughs> program. It's in Dolby it's surround sound. The sky, but... I guess. <laughs> Uh, Alice becomes eventually insulted and tired of being bombarded with riddles and she leaves the tea party saying it is the stupidest tea party that she's ever been to. And honestly, I do not doubt it. I Oof. mean, she's a child. How many tea parties <laughs> yeah. has she been to? Alice out here leaving um, TripAdvisor reviews on the tea party. <laughs> One star. One star. <laughs> stupidest tea party I've ever been to. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, book cheaters. Just Dave here to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by Audible, the leading provider of spoken word entertainment all in one place. At Audible, you can find the largest selection of audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers, new releases to celebrity memoirs, language stuff, business motivation, all sorts of original entertainment from top celebrity creators and thousands of popular and binge-worthy podcasts. If you are an Audible member like me, you get one credit every month, good for any title in their premium selection. That means the latest bestsellers, buzziest new releases, so much to choose from. They're yours to keep forever in your Audible library. And you also get access to their popular Plus catalogue, which is filled with thousands and thousands of audiobooks, original entertainment, guided fitness and meditation, sleep tracks for better rest, and podcasts. And they're all included with your membership, so you can download or stream as much as you want. And included in the popular Plus catalogue is Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, narrated by Jodie Comer, who some of you might know from Killing Eve. I've listened to it, and it's a very, very good performance. She does all the voices very, very well. Brought the brought the book to life in a whole new way for me. But the other thing I've been listening to this month, the thing that I use my credit for, is on a history audiobook. Now, some of you will know I'm a bit of a history nerd. I've been loving The Hollow Crown by Dan Jones, an English writer and historian, who's written this amazing book on uh, the Wars of the Roses. Could not recommend that enough. So if you want to get involved and check out Audible, new members can try it free for 30 days. And all you have to do is go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. One more time, go to audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. Thanks, Audible. So she leaves the tea party. She finds herself back in the Hall of Doors where she started this whole adventure. Uh, back to the old Hall of Doors. <laughs> well, well, well. And this is the old Hall of Doors. <laughs> She's got the mushroom with her. So she uses it to grow big enough to grab the key off the table, then eats the shrinking mushroom to get small enough to get through the door to that beautiful garden oh, that she's obsessed clever, with. That's clever that she kept the, the mushroom with her. 
Very clever. She's basically now got Ant-Man powers until she runs out of the mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Alice in Wonderland, the original Ant-Man. <laughs> if she get if she trains with it, she could do that. You know, run, jump, take a bite, shrink down, go through the keyhole, take a bite of the other one, and land. So now you're trying to again. you're trying to what you want her to speed run this. You yeah. want. <laughs> I don't think she's having fun there. Everyone's a nightmare. Every person she's met, an animal. They've all been absolute nightmares. <laughs> they're all they're all not- and the nightmare has only just begun. Because she goes through to this garden that she's obsessed with seeing. Yes, it's beautiful in there, but things are just as weird as they are everywhere else in this world. She comes upon three living playing cards, painting the white roses on a rose tree, because quote, the Queen of Hearts hates white roses. Oh. So they're they're literal like playing cards with numbers and symbols on them. So I reckon so much of this story is yeah. I assumed they took some liberties with the the um, TV and film version I've seen, but they're all ex- this is all exactly like them. Yeah. Mm. If they play croquet with birds, flamingos, <laughs> flamingos right? instead of sticks, and then I'm not sure pops. what Walt Disney did. <laughs> well, I guess like Walt Disney. I mean, look, it's far bit for me to, to to defend Walt Disney, but Walt Disney did animate it. That's okay. something. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is, that, and I would, I would argue that is um, necessary for a cartoon movie. That is a good point. <laughs> it's a load bearing skill. <laughs> so a press, procession of more playing cards, including kings and queens, and even the white rabbit we saw way back at the start enters the garden, and Alice then meets the king and queen. That is the King and Queen of Hearts. And it turns out the Queen of Hearts is absolutely unhinged. And if anything or anyone even slightly annoys her, she says, off with his head or off with its head. Oh, classic. Yes. And she says this over and over and over again. And we realize quickly it's a trademark catchphrase, sentencing people to death left, right and center. She loves it. She absolutely loves it. <laughs> absolutely loves it. Alice is invited to play a game of croquet with the Queen. And Alice joins basically out of fear for her own head. And Alice, she's played croquet before, but never like this. This one has live flamingos as mallets and hedgehogs as balls. Oh, there you go. So there you go. Uh, the Cheshire Cat then appears as a floating head. And the Queen of Hearts says, off with his head. But the executioner comes in and complains and says, it's impossible since... The head is all that can be seen. What am I removing it from? It's already a head. <laughs> Bit of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll come clean and say I'm skipping a couple of chapters here because uh, Alice meets some more strange animals, including <laughs> the... <laughs> it's just scene after scene. Including the mock turtle, who I like, because he reminisces... He asks Alice, Oh, you go to school? Oh, yeah, I used to go to school. And he reminisces and he says, Oh, our teacher's name was Tortoise. And Alice asks... Why would they call the teacher that if he's clearly a turtle? And the turtle replies, because he taught us. Oh, boy. Bit of, bit of wordplay oh there. Boy. Bit of um, wordplay. I think I'm glad you're going to skip those chapters, Dave. <laughs> did, That's so, the did, highlight. That's the highlight. Does she meet up with the crab again? Do we ever get to see the crab again? Uh, no, they talk about lobsters, but not the crab. Well, what do they say about lobsters? I'd be keen to know. I'm oh, a lobster enthusiast this, myself. Are you really into lobsters? There's this whole poetic section. Huh. There was a time, Dave, where I um, there was six months or so before the pandemic, 
um, in t- or sort of mid mid of middle of 2019, six months where I did stand up comedy exclusively dressed as a lobster. That's how into <laughs> lobsters I am. <laughs> what, Wait, why what? were you doing that? Uh, I was having um, what I, in retrospect, can recognise was a mental breakdown, uh, but at the time was a series of strong artistic choices. <laughs> were you doing lobster gear? Or did you, did yeah, you yeah, no, I had, I had like material about being a lobster. Basically, what happened was I was working at a show called The Feed at SBS, which is a wonderful program, and I was doing a lot of daily videos and comedy about politics and the real world and... You know, I don't know if you remember 2018, 2019, but it wasn't as bad as it is now, but it was still pretty bad. Um, and so every day I was just going into work and just just do, trying to do like quote unquote comedy, but like the most horrifying things in the world and trying to make them funny in the way like modern comedy has to be political or whatever. And it drove me mad. And so when I did stand up, I wanted to separate myself entirely from reality. And so I started dressing as a lobster and had a lobster costume and a big head that I, that I had at the back of my car. So whenever I did comedy for like six months, I just dressed as a lobster. And I, and I had, I will tell you both, the most fun I've ever had doing comedy and also never had a good gig, basically. <laughs> just bombed gig after gig. For six months, dressed as a lobster, <laughs> baffling the audience. People are like, oh, great. Michael Hing, I love his work on SBS. Love no, that for real. It would often be like... TV. Pe- and you yeah. turn up, they're like, what the hell? I did a show, I uh, did a fringe show uh, where I advertised it as like, uh, I'll probably dress as a lobster and talk for about an hour. And people were like, lol, that's one of Hing's crazy jokes. There's no way he'll do that. And then people turned up and like, I, some nights I got booed. Like literally people were like, take <laughs> off the lobster head costume. What are you doing? <laughs> oh my God. I remember I re- this now. I remember seeing these photos. I'm just yeah. looking them up. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Man, just, that feels like uh, like a different lifetime. It was many years. It feels like, yeah, years and years ago. It was at least six lockdowns ago for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, if you Google Michael Hing Lobster, I'm seeing exactly what you were doing. Would yeah. you wear this head over your face? Could we yeah, see yeah, your yeah, face? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you sort of put... muffled sounds coming out? Yeah, because so the, uh, yeah, basically, because you can't, so the mouth of the lobster costume is actually where your eyes are. Right. So you see at the mouth. And so you've <laughs> really got to shout. So then eventually for the French show, what I had to do was like wear basically a TV microphone. Like I had to, I had to t- t- tape onto my chest and then plug that into the desk and then it was amplified that way. Um, and I just held, held a stand-up microphone as like a prop really. Um, anyway, the whole thing was a, a commercial failure. Um, Are you sure that when Sydney opens up again and you hit the stage, will you be dressed as a lobster? Hard to tell. I, there's nothing I would like more than to go back to doing lobster comedy. Um, but again, I just don't know if Australia and indeed the world is ready or, uh, to accept me as a lobster. <laughs> I love it. I support your artistic choice. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Maybe it's, maybe it's just not the right animal. Like, have you thought about trying another animal? Like if you return and you're just like, I don't know, a squirrel or something. Yeah, I have. The reason I liked lobster, I had a, I had something of a pre-existing interest in lobsters prior to the breakdown on account of um, a series of essays that I read about lobsters um, that I quite liked. Um, so there was some, there was like at least a, there was a basis for the material. I think if I had to go with squirrel, I'd have to start from, I'd have to start from scratch again. And I, I don't know that I could build up the knowledge base sufficient to do an hour of stand-up comedy in character. 
Plus, you've already got the lobster costume. Exactly. It cost me $200 from Alibaba, you know? <laughs> oh, okay. That's, that's some serious outlay. Well, I'm a bit... I'm so sorry that I didn't really uh, pay attention to the lobster gear in the book. I found it was... It was it was all this poem about a lobster. It was quite dull, to be honest, in this book. <laughs> Sorry about that. Were you getting paid many many lobsters to for these gigs? I reckon I did. There was one particular venue in Sydney that I performed as a lobster in, and they asked me to not do that bit ever again. <laughs> uh, and that, and that, that's like one of the few good paying gigs in Sydney. So I, I, I did return to being me at that venue. Um, wow. Well that's, how did that conversation go? Oh, the manager, just the booker was like, hey, that bombed. Can you not do that next time? And I was like, fair enough. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's it's breaking my heart. Like, I've, you kind of understand. Like, you know, you kind of understand. (laughs) Like, it was, it was just baffling for the audience because I would also demand that the MC not, not bring me on as a lobster because I thought, (laughs) I thought that that was cheapening the act. I was like, you have to bring me on as Michael Hing, and the and, and just so you know, I will be dressed as a lobster, but I don't want you to mention it. <laughs> and that was part of the rules I'd set up for the bit. Anyway, none of, none of this is good. <laughs> Do you think there's an alternative reality where you became the most successful comedian of all time? Absolutely, I'm the Carl Barron. I'm the Carl Barron of that world. <laughs> lobster guy, you sell like three million DVDs. <laughs> God, if only. If only. <laughs> well, we're approaching the end of the book because Alice is whisked away to a courtroom to attend the trial of the Knave of Hearts, who was accused of stealing the Queen's tarts. Uh, I did not know that Knave is another word for Jack, so it's the Jack of Hearts is on trial. Oh. Uh, the jury is composed of various animals that we've met throughout the book, and the judge is the King of Hearts. One of the jurors is a lizard named Bill. He was taking notes with a pencil that squeaks and it annoys Alice so much that she grabs it when he's not looking and hides it. And this is so sad to me. Quote from the book. She did it so quickly that the poor little juror could not make out at all what had become of it. So after hunting all about for it, he was obliged to write with one finger for the rest of the day. And this was of very little use as it left no mark on the slate. (laughs) So this little lizard's just taking notes that mean nothing because he's lost his little pencil i guess that's the kind of that's the futility like this book really seems to like um relish futility you know it's like the it's like the mad hatter who's always stuck at six o'clock you know or the lizard who's now writing with a finger that doesn't leave a mark it's just it's just futility and they're getting nowhere it's kind of it's it's like the it's like a samuel beckett play you know it's like waiting for godot or something you know, the torture of being, yeah. uh, of existence. It never arrives. Uh, during the proceedings, Alice finds that she is steadily growing larger. So she's been small enough in this garden the whole time, but now she's getting bigger and bigger. A few witnesses are called, including the Mad Hatter, who displeases and frustrates the king through his indirect answers to the questions. Again, the trial is absolute nonsense. Nothing makes any sense. Everyone is confused. The Queen is trying to work out the sentence before the verdict is given. Basically, she just wants to cut everyone's heads off. But <laughs> classic, Alice, classic. But Alice is also told that it's all her fancy that, that they never execute nobody, you know? So no one is actually being executed, according to one of the characters. Huh. The Queen just... I think that that's her way of... Uh, 
being all powerful, but then people are like, mm. yes, ma'am, no worries, we'll kill them, and then they just sort of take them away. Mm. Oh, that's nice. I guess it is a kid's book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, there's a lot of lot of head chopping, a lot of execution for a kid's book. Yeah, I and he goes into great yeah. detail. <laughs> was, was, was executions would have been quite commonplace in eighteen. 18- 65 or whatever i imagine they're probably still doing hangings and whatnot yeah so and and when they did that wasn't that a thing like the whole family would go and just watch the the state like end someone's life that was like a thing people would go and watch back in the day like a grand day out yeah i it is my belief that everything that happened before 2005 was basically horrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel that something is about England as well, eighteen hundreds England. It just feels it's black and white. It's sooty. Yeah, it's, There's a lot of icky. soot around. You know, you no, know, it's when it's when they it's when Oliver's set. That's yeah. you know okay. that's lot, real grubby. A lot of workhouses. Yeah. No good. Gruel. Yeah, gruel. Ah, oh. gruel. It's all gruel. It's gruel central. Alice is very surprised when she herself is called up as a witness in the trial. She forgets how big she's grown now because she's been growing steadily throughout this whole trial and she accidentally knocks over the jury box with the animals inside and she has to put them all back and she puts one of them back upside down and his legs are sticking out. Really, at this point, fun. she's she's being polite letting them have this trial. She could now stomp on them, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's... Yes. <laughs> I'll do your little trial, but... Just know, you're not lopping this head. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck to you. Well, the king and queen order Alice to leave. They get annoyed at her, citing rule 42, which is all persons more than a mile high to leave the court. She's a mile high now? A mile (laughs) high? She's in the mile high club. (laughs) (laughs) She disputes the rule on two grounds. Number one, I am not a mile high. Number two, that is a stupid rule. The king says, it's the oldest rule in the book. To which Alice replies, if it was the oldest rule, it would be rule number one, not rule number 42. Wow. Hmm? Wow. Maybe they repealed rules one through 41 because they realized that they were quite problematic. Like they realized they weren't very progressive. They were racist or sexist or homophobic in some way. So they had to be repealed. So it's the oldest remaining law in the book, potentially. (laughs) That honestly could be true. But she argues with the king and queen. Over the ridiculous proceedings, and the Queen, who only knows how to deal th- with things in one way, shouts, off with her head. Wow, the but- Queen's going to kill a kid. That's real full on. <laughs> a giant kid. <laughs> but Alice, who's much, much larger than all those around her, she's unafraid. She says, you're nothing but a pack of cards. And the cards do not take kindly to this and attack Alice, jumping on her. And she pushes them off at first, but soon they're swarming all over her. And it's at this point, Alice's sister wakes her up. That's right. It was all a dream. Really? The whole thing was a dream? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's infuriating. I hate that. That sucks. I hate that so much. Maybe maybe this wasn't a hack move in 1865, you know? I reckon it it was. I reckon it's all a dream has been around for... For forever, but like, yeah, because oh, it's all is... a dream was in the Bible, you know. It has to be one of the oldest. You know what? He's realised that he's used his uh, hand of God. Oh, early. To <laughs> That's exactly what's happened. He used his day of sex machina <laughs> on the potion that made her big or small, and now he's got to the end. There's all this stuff going on, and he does. It's all a dream. Oh God, 
Yeah, nothing's... Oh, that was really unsatisfying. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, the best thing he ever did was Jabberwocky. Everything else sucks. (laughs) Well, there's there's a bit more. There's a bit more. Oh, okay. But it will not satisfy you. (laughs) (laughs) So she's brushing leaves off her face, not playing cards. That's what she's feeling in her face. Uh, Alice tells her sister about her dream and, and all she can remember from it, so she retells the story. Then she runs off, leaving her sister on the bank of the river, who starts daydreaming about what she's heard. She thinks of the characters like the white rabbit and the lizard with the squeaky pencil, all that sort of stuff. Lastly, she thinks of Alice telling these stories when she grows up, and this is the final line of the book. Lastly, she pictured to herself how this same little sister of hers would, in the aftertime, be herself a grown-up woman, and how she would keep, through all her riper years, the simple and loving heart of her childhood, and how she would gather about other little children, and make their eyes bright and eager with many a strange tale, perhaps even with the dream of Wonderland of long ago, and how she would feel with all their simple sorrows and find a pleasure in all their simple joys, remembering her own child life and the happy summer days. The end. Yeah, that really wasn't satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) I think think maybe... I mean, are we are we are we reviewing this, Dave? Or like, yeah, we- yeah. I'd love to know what, what what your thoughts are on the story, on its meaning, which has been speculated about in all sorts of ways. I'll just say, people have analysed it. They've said, was he sexually repressed? Is it an allegory? Is it satirising people of the time? Was there some mathematical meaning? People have said because he was a mathematician, and apparently there were some hidden messages in there. Was he a Marxist? All this sort of stuff very early on. Mm. Any feelings on if it has any meaning? I, I mean I don't know I don't know if the actual book has any meaning, but I could not gleam a deeper meaning from your summary of it. And I feel like I feel like any meaning that I would have been able to glean from that would have to have been imposed through your telling. So I feel like I feel like really that's on you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Sorry, I didn't put any hidden mathematical meanings in there. Yeah. If there's any slightly hidden second story it's that she was on a bender yeah. <laughs> and like she's eating she's having edibles mm. she's drinking and she's you know tripping that's all that's what it feels yeah, like certainly. i don't and and that's from your retelling and and the films that i've seen and stuff that's all i'd yeah i'd i'd be interested to hear what the um theories are of deeper meaning than that well i'll i'll say according to our good friends at britannica they write the book is not an allegory. It has no hidden meaning or message, either religious, political, or psychological, as some have tried to prove, and its only undertones are some touches of gentle satire on education for the children's special benefit and on familiar university types, whom the littles may or may not have recognised, and that's the people that he wrote the story about initially. Right, right. So they say, but over the 150 years, it's been analysed in nearly every possible way. It feels like the kind of book with all these different characters. You could. It feels like the kind of story you could put whatever meaning onto it you yeah, want. Yeah, I think so yes. too. Oh, the lobster. Yeah, well, the lobster represents uh, the patriarchy. You know, like mm. that's that's my go-to word when I'm trying to sound smart. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a dichotomy. Um, I think you can see with the river of tears. Uh, the dry land being uh, democracy. Uh, <laughs> And uh, egalitarianism is uh, represented by the rabbit, <laughs> and uh, the cards uh, famously man uh, the seven deadly sins. 
<laughs> I agree with that. Why are you guys leaving me out here to dry? It's no good. Um, I feel like a bloody retelling of that play that was dry. Uh, Hing, mm-hmm. you're the smarter one here of the two guests. What do you think about stuff? I could not glean a meaning, as I said. I think that the story needed... No argument there, by the way, yeah. from Hing. Did not even for a moment <laughs> hesitate on that. What? That you're the smarter. Well, I thought you said it it with such dryness in your voice. I assumed that if I was to engage in it, I would only be ridiculed. Matt, that's honestly that's how I felt. So I I, I thought I thought best to sidestep it, lest we. I mean, lest I step into his trap. Clearly true, but yeah. (laughs) Um, No, what I I think though. Even though there wasn't a real, I couldn't really get a real meaning out of it. I think the book could have been improved if. Yes, I agree yeah, with that. Yes. <laughs> and that's my review. No, it could have been better. <laughs> I wanted to, I guess I wanted to. The problem with the It's All a Dream, right? The problem with the It's All a Dream ending is mm-hmm. that it completely removes any stakes from the story. Everything we've spent time with previously is now meaningless unless. There is a deeper meaning to it about things you can learn on how to be, you know, uh, a better person or whatever. Um, that doesn't seem in the book at all either. So it just seems like a it's it's like it's like an actual dream where it's ninety minutes of nonsense or whatever, and then you wake up and you're like, oh well, that, what was the point of any of that, you know? And it's just yeah. frust- it, it's that it's and I think that is again getting back to his uh, obsession with futility, right? So in the same way that um, so many things that the characters in the book do mean nothing, so does our reading of the book, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Have I confused us all? Okay, so look at the the Mad Hatter, right? Stuck at six o'clock, can't move past that. It's meaningless, keeps having tea, doesn't do anything life never changes everything's meaningless right then you get to the you know characters like the lizard or the 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 jack uh the the knaves the queen they're just sort of stuck in these loops where they keep doing the same things nothing ever changes nothing ever gets better it's just meaningless and so i think that it's all a dream at the end is him kind of saying oh this whole thing was meaningless the whole time and you actually reading this book is meaningless it doesn't mean anything Maybe that's also um, that I've been locked down for 13 weeks and I'm very depressed and that's how I'm viewing it. But, no, I can, you know. feel, I can, I can feel some of that that um, futility and and it did feel a bit meaningless reading it, i got to tell you. <laughs> i got to tell you. The fact that they go back or he goes back for a sequel, I, I wonder how he sets up, makes people care for the second time. Like, does he somehow give it stakes? Is it one of these things where there is like, She's visiting a real reality. She only, but she's getting there via her dreams or something. You know, mm. Freddy, uh, what is, you know, like Nightmare on Elm Street style. Is that I've never seen it, but I think he gets you in his. Yeah, so maybe so. You know, we're now thinking, oh, how disappointing that was all a dream. But in part two, it's like, oh no, that was real. Yeah, because at the end of uh, the start of part two, she opens her hand and she's holding part of a mushroom still or something you know oh right and at the start of part two freddy krueger comes in and like rips her to pieces and we're like (laughs) what is happening all i know about freddy krueger is that episode of the simpsons (laughs) yeah with with willie yeah 
I'll see you in your dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's very influential. It sort of amazes me that, like, you know, after reading it, that it is become. It's like it's like such an ingrained part of popular culture. Like we all know the Mad Hatter, we all know the Cheshire Cat, all that sort of stuff, Mm. and they've become their own sort of characters. But they don't do that much in the books. I know I obviously sort of skimmed over and just gave a summary, but they don't. There's sort of that one main scene with the Mad Hatter, and then he's on trial, and the Cheshire Cat sort of comes in a couple of times. But it's amazing that, like, you know, we all know those characters so much. Yeah, I found the um, the TV movies. It was a two-parter that I and uh, Dave I've talked to you about it in the past, where my nana and granddad had three videos. Oh, that's right. Uh, VHS tapes that we could watch. I forgot about this. This is the fourth tape. <gasps> so there was uh, Goodbye, Mister Chips, or whatever. Uh, well, what were they, Matt? Goodbye, what? Goodbye, Mister Chips, I think. Or Mister Chips goes to Hollywood. <laughs> no, no, it's Good Night, Mister Chips. Mister Smith goes to Washington, and okay. uh, the Wizard of Oz. We all three. And or oh, and Annie. But also this one, they got this one later. So it's a 1985 um, American two-part made-for-TV. Am I, am I looking at the right good night, goodbye, Mr. Chips, a 1939 romantic drama? Yeah, we never watched that. Right, one, okay. But they had it. Okay. That was the option we never, never All watched. three of the movies that Matt had were from 1939, legit. <laughs> yeah, wild. But the, um, the, well, your this par- cast did, your, your, did your grandparents... Did did they did they flee World War Two? Is that why? <laughs> yeah. they, they World War Two yeah, broke so out. They, they had they, to pack they... everything up. They only had four <laughs> tapes. They put them in the trunk and came to Australia. Is that what happened, Matt? <laughs> That's right. There was they had other tapes, but they were all of Burke's backyard, <laughs> which hasn't aged that well. So luckily, the, they didn't live to see his fall. The stuff from the thirties has aged better than those tapes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, the politics but, uh, you of wouldn't... goodbye, Mister Chips. It turns out Mister Chips is a, it hasn't been cancelled. <laughs> Good on you, Mister Chips. <laughs> the um, the cast for this is wild. Like I don't remember much of it but it's got like um sammy davis jr is the caterpillar uh wow. uh who knows? S- sally struthers tiger lily merv griffin is the conductor like old school uh hollywood stars yeah. i guess tv and hollywood stars from america yeah, wow. although out john stamos is in it actually so there's you know uh rowdy roddy mcdowell ringo star sid caesar ringo star is, is it- in this yeah, Ringo Starr is the mock turtle. From the Beatles? From the Beatles, <laughs> yes. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a wild... Like, I, a lot of these names I'm saying, I don't know them, but I know their yeah, name. Yeah, totally. You know? You know you know who Ringo uh, Starr is, though, obviously. I know who Ringo Starr is. I know who Sammy Davis Jr. is. Merv Griffin, I think, was like a talk show host. Mm. I know that from from uh, Kramer putting the set inside his house. Yeah. Ernest... Uh, Borgnini? Oh, or- er- Borgnine? <clears throat> Ernest Borgnine, also a Simpsons uh, guest star yeah. from Mikhail's Navy. <laughs> Bo Bridges? Mm-hmm. Bo Bridges, big eyebrows. <laughs> Alright, maybe it's not that much of an awesome cast. <laughs> hey, it started out huge. started yeah. out huge. It's almost like Matt was reading them. Uh, in like ca- in cast order from most yeah. fast. <laughs> he starts reading out the best boy. We're like never yeah, heard yeah, of. Yeah, he's him. just reading out the credits. Like, <laughs> Matt, we don't know. I love the, the name. Matt, of we the... don't need to know this was filmed in Toronto. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the 
the the guy who played the white rabbit's name was Red Buttons. That can't be a real name. <laughs> Red Buttons. Great name. That is a great name. What did you think of the book, Dave? Did you enjoy the book, Dave? Did I enjoy the book? Mm. Well, like, we always get uh, you guys and myself to score it out of five. And oh, okay. I will t- okay. We'll get to that. Maybe I'll get you to score it first, but mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I will let you in on a little sizzle. I did not love it. I did not mm-hmm. enjoy reading this. Okay. I, I would... Uh, okay. Oh, do you want to throw it? If you weren't there in 1965, I think you probably aren't reading it with the nostalgia <laughs> yeah. uh, that a lot mm. of... Well, we didn't grow up with it. We weren't around at the time. I think I would rate this... I think I would give this maybe a two out of five. Two out of five from Michael Hing? Okay, yeah. no worries. I don't like... I found, I found it frustrating. I, it didn't feel like there was any real growth for Alice, necessarily. Um, I mean, obviously physical growth. I mean, like emotional growth. <laughs> you weren't paying attention. <laughs> there was, if anything, too much growth for Alice. Um, and I think I would have liked her to. I th- I feel like I would have liked her her to have to permanently change. Like if she if if she'd woken up right, all it would take all it would take is for her to wake up from a little dream, and be like, oh, it was all a dream, and then for her to like have in her pocket like. A playing card with a crown, like with a little body attached yep. to it, or something like that, you know. And then we're like, then we're like, oh, was it magical? And that would have, that would have made it a three, you know, maybe a three and a half. Wow, that's quite a big bump yeah. up. Anyway, what did you think of okay. that? What, what if she woke up and she was still eight, eight meters? I mean, tall? obviously that's the dream. Then we're in four and a half territory. <laughs> she, if she woke up, had a had a nine foot tall neck, and everyone thought she was a giraffe. <laughs> Like that's <laughs> then we're set up for the sequel. I want to know what happens. You know, now I'm in. What if she woke up and she looked across and, like in The Godfather, she saw not a horse's head but her own head because she had her head lopped off by the Queen of Cards. So in this scenario, Matt, are there two heads of Alice? Yes. So she's still got her uh-huh. head and then her dream head that's been right. Cut off. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's Somehow. that's also in four territory for me. Yeah. <laughs> We should have workshopped this with uh, Louis Louis yeah. C back in the day, but um, I yeah I think, but it's hard to separate it from the the icons. Can I say iconography? What does that mean? The symbolism. What do you mean? Symbolism, like the you know the thi- the pop culture yeah, references you, yeah. that you just are so familiar. Yeah, with. totally. It's it's hard to you imagine um, Alice in the blue dress the with the things. white. You imagine yes. her with blonde. Hair. Yeah, it's all it's all the yeah. And I mean, it's like it's hard to go. This thing that I like is so famous and so well loved for so long mm. sucks. You know, I mean, it's, maybe it's not that hard to do it. You just do it quite <laughs> easy. But, uh, I'm gonna say uh, like two and a half. <laughs> two and a half from right. Matt out of five. I'm going to give it also a two out of five. I'm usually very, very generous on this show. I don't think I've ever gone below a two before. Um, I mean, I respect the influence on popular culture and all that sort of stuff, but reading it, I don't. I did not enjoy it. Uh, I found every character, yeah, frustrating. They're so farcical that it's just like, oh my god, and then it's just scene after scene of strange stuff. Uh, I don't really have the nostalgia for the movies that much. I reckon I probably watched one or one or two adaptations in my life when I was a kid, but didn't love that. But then I had to remind myself that it's a children's story. So, yes, that's right. And people are, it's not for us. And people are analysing it, psychoanalysing, looking for all these these hidden messages. At the end of the day, 
it probably was just a cool story that entertained a kid that he went on a boat ride with once. And then she said, that was really great. And he said, all right, I'm going to write it down. That's mm. probably what happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then other kids, and the other kids at the time probably went, yeah, that is, inter- that is interesting. That's way more entertaining than the, the stuff we're currently reading. Yeah, this is so much better than the boat we're on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't understand why he couldn't have just had her climb, found the same hole, climb back up it, and then she, you know, even if there was sort of like she climbed back up the hole and then she was in her bed and you go, oh, we don't know if it was a dream or not, but just to be like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, it's all a dream really soured it for me. I hate it's all a dream. It's yeah. all a dream is, I, I, my, my opinion on it's all a dream is, is on the record in this podcast, but I hate it's all a dream. Yeah. I'm sorry to let you down, everyone. I knew that that would be an unpopular choice. Well, you didn't write it. You didn't write it, Dave. So, and no. you've had a lot. Of, a lot of your great listeners who suggested it. They obviously love it. So, yeah, I think they're wrong. I think all your <laughs> listeners who love it are wrong. Sorry, everyone. You heard it here first. Can you do goodbye, Mister Chips, next time, Dave? I'll bring it. Up. I wonder if it's based on a book. If it is. I'd love to, because I'm never watching it, but I'd love to know what it was about. <laughs> I won't sit through an hour and a half film, but I'll listen to you for an hour. Tell me what you, it's about. Are you telling me that I've got to start doing movie cheat because you can't be bothered watching movies? <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's slightly shorter than the film. then Well, yes. let me just tell you that it is based on the 1934 James Hilton novel, Goodbye, Mr. Oh, Chips. Oh, we're gonna oh do it. that's great. Oh, we're doing it. That'd be fantastic. That's so funny. And Matt. Have you seen this all-star cast in Goodbye, Mr. Chips? We're talking Robert Donar, Greer Garson, Terry Kilburn, John Mills, Judith Furse. These are all such 1930s names. Austin Trevor, Edmund Breon. All of them, they started their careers with, like, uh, other names and people like, no, we're in Hollywood now. You're Trevor Gorn, or whatever you said. <laughs> Milton Rosner. <laughs> Incredible name. And I'm looking it up on uh, online. It's only 128 pages, so I love that. I'll oh, probably tearing that. through. Absolutely fang through that. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. So, Matt, I'll get you back to it to finally find out what that tape was all about. <laughs> That'd be great. Hing, some of you might not know about Dave, which I only learned recently. His high school nickname was Mr. Chips. That's true. It's actually known as my primary school. Was this because, Dave, because I don't know if listeners to you, surely listeners must know that you have an obsession with pies. Yes. Uh, As a child, were you obsessed with chips? Is that where the nickname came from? 100%. I ate uh, for my recess snack every day. I had chips every single day of primary school. (laughs) So I I got called Mr. Chips. I feel like that's an unfair nickname. I feel like I'd probably know like half a dozen kids for which for whom that was true. Chips was a very popular snack in primary school. Do you think they were referencing the film or the book? <laughs> they must have been. Maybe like an adult said it or something and then kids laughed like, oh, that's a funny name, Mr. Chips. They, someone must have referenced it, surely. Or, I mean, Matt, you don't, we don't know this because no one's seen the film or read the book, but maybe the book is about a boy. Who eats chips every day and grows up to be a senator or something, and then and then he's in Washington and like the 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 president's like chips are poisonous now or what I don't know, and then they have to ban them, and then he has to come to terms with that. I don't know. Well, we're going to find out one day, aren't we? (laughs) But that does bring us to the end of this episode. Uh, Hing, Matt, thank you so much for for joining me and talking about Alice's adventures in Wonderland. Thank you for having me. 
we want to hear or see more of you. Michael Hing, you've got a TV show coming out very, very soon, which is so I exciting because you are the host. I am the host on the 2nd of October, uh, SBS, the special broadcasting service, the ethnic version of the ABC, uh, <laughs> has a, a show coming out called Celebrity Letters and Numbers. It's like a puzzle game show. If you've seen Countdown, if you've seen Letters and Numbers, it's uh, a f- sort of a fun variety program similar to those. Um, well, we're, we're meeting a bunch of comedians and actors and musicians and stuff just just play some, uh, you know, the, the countdown games. Um, so, yeah, watch that. 8.30 on Saturday nights on SBS in October until the end of the year. And, uh, yeah, otherwise I've got two podcasts. One is called Dragon Friends. It's a and d podcast. You can um, go listen to that if you need seven seasons of Dungeons & Dragons. to If you need something to put you to sleep, uh, feel free to. <laughs> and then also I've got another podcast called Freedom of Good Home, which is about... Uh, classifieds. It's me and my friend Ben Jenkins going through classifieds uh, with com- guest comedians every week, and it's uh, it's a whole lot of fun. Awesome stuff. I'll put a link in the show notes to all that stuff. You want to check out more? Oh, of that's very kind of you. Thank you, Dave. Stuff. Thank you so much. And Matt, you've got a podcast galore. Yeah, I do one with you called Do Go On. Uh, the most recent one I wasn't really on, but Michael Hing was, and I'm looking forward to listening to it. It's about. The, can we say the topic? Does that sure, matter? Sure, it doesn't Dave? matter to me. Or maybe it matters to Dave. Uh, sure, this will come out just just before that. But hey. Oh, sizzle. This is the sizzle. Is the this is, you're hearing it here. Book cheat First early. time you've come to the end of the episode. Let me just say that Michael Hing waxed lyrical about one of his loves, uh, which he's <laughs> also conflicted about the history of the FIFA World Cup. <laughs> the FIFA Men's World Cup, yes. Fantastic. And um, it was a great report, honestly. It's like he'd done it oh. a million times. <laughs> You're very kind. So, Matt, you have that. What other podcasts have you got? You got the the monkey one? Yeah, Primates, uh, which at the moment we're doing a, a pretty a deep dive investigation into ape titty slides, which is a thing I didn't know anything about until recently. Um, but we're uncovering quite, uh, quite a story here. Are you deep the, down the rabbit hole? We are deep down. This one goes all the way to the top. We have cracked this. <laughs> on, on, Prime, on primates, Matt, have you? How, how far back would I have to go to find the Dunstan checks in episode? Have you done one? Yeah, I think it was like it was with Nick Mason. It was like episode five. Yeah, right. Okay. It's one of okay. the first ones. I'm obsessed he, with that was, film, and I haven't seen it in a long time. And I think it's such a funny idea for a film, and I really want to watch it. Um, I've I, it, it was so long ago that I we did that episode that I've again kind of forgot. I saw it at the cinema. Yeah, right. Initially, and um, I remember it being a pretty good time. Jason Alexander, class act. <laughs> he can do it all. He's a he's a renaissance man, that guy. <laughs> but um, uh, obviously, yeah, Dunstan was the star of the show. But yeah, we haven't done a movie for a while. But we mm. yeah, we should do. Anyway, blah blah blah. Um. Check out that primates, but yeah, this ape titty side stuff very fascinating. If you like sort of true crime podcasts with uh, higher stakes, then this is maybe these last three or four episodes are for you. And I'm doing a fringe show, I think, uh, online now because we're not allowed to do them in the the venue. But I'm doing a show with Alistair Tremblay Birchall, um, which is going to be like, I mean, really, it's going to be online. It's going to be sort of like a pretty casual. Oh yeah, thing. what do you get? Is it sketches? Is it stand up? Is it a variety show? It's going to be... Well, it was going to be... A, you know, the idea of it was for us to be working on new stand-up material. So it's going to... But it's going to just be more conversationally done. I think we're, we're just figuring out a framework for it at the moment. I think it's going to be like... Um, we're, we're thinking about doing it so it's going to be 
Al found this questionnaire, uh, 36 questions to fall in love oh, yeah. to or something like that. Haven't I've done so, that. Uh, I think yeah. That, yeah, right. So, and did it work? Uh, well, we were doing it as a radio bit, and so it decidedly did not work, uh, but it was for comedic <laughs> effect. Okay. Well, it sounds like uh, that bit's been done, so we might have to think of another framework. Uh, we don't want to be <laughs> derivative of... <laughs> Hobber and no, Hing. No, no, this was, this mean, was pre-Hobber and Hing. Um, so please, you're more than welcome to it. Um, uh, but I think of the Hobber and Hing are kind of like The Simpsons. You know, The Simpsons <laughs> has done that. Hobber and Hing oh, has done goodness, that. no. Try and think of an original. If you're after a, 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 a way, way you, could pre- you could premise your show, though, have you thought about having, say, 40 to 45 just um, blue jars of liquid? That just say, drink yeah, me good. or mats or something on that. And then just, you know, and then working your way through them. Yes, each one inspires a new yeah, anecdote or yeah. something. Yeah, I like that. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> but but drink about, one like, of... People do visuals. and in, in, See, stand-up comedy, traditionally an audio, uh, mostly audio medium. People add visuals now. No one's adding taste, you know? No one's yeah. adding taste to stand-up comedy. You could be the first, There's and especially maybe you could make more senses forty odd cocktails or something, and then people at home on Zoom have to make the cocktails as well. I don't know. There's something no one's doing taste, Matt, and you could be the person who does it. Okay, no, that's a good point. <laughs> we may and sm- and taste obviously cocktails. I'll include a smell as well, so you're hitting I off mean, two fresh. Gosh. Senses. But if you you know how people pair food with drinks, what if you pair your comedy with a drink? Like, oh, that's such right. a great oh, idea. Yeah. Wine pairings for, for jokes. Bit, yeah, for this next bit, uh, I reckon you want to get a scotch and soda ready. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> anyway, give, give David I writing credits on this, please. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we need this. Please, Matt, please. Talk to Alistair for us, please. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll have a chat. <laughs> All right, I'll link to uh, Matt and Al's uh, friend show as well. So, uh, But gentlemen, Matt, Michael, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, and thank until next time, uh, as I always say here, and Michael Hing, you've never heard this before, and it is embarrassing to yell it in my house, but here I go. Books forever! Books forever! <laughs> Books forever, everybody. Books yeah. forever. Yeah. <laughs>